I've got to just share with you a second here. I don't know if you followed Caitlin's journey with her leg and all the apparatus that she had on it. And to see Caitlin just all out jumping around praising the Lord up here just makes my heart want to come out of my chest. It's just such a blessing to see what God has done in her leg and how he has just planted this joy in her. It is such a privilege. I can't tell you what a privilege it is to be able to come here each Sunday and be part of these kids' lives and introduce them to the Jesus that I've walked with since I was 14 years old. I am just anticipating what God is going to do in their lives. This morning, we're going to, I'm going to talk about um, something that we call God, one name that we call God. We have lots of names for God that describes him. One of those is shepherd. One of those is shepherd. And when we tend to think about a shepherd, the first things that usually come to mind are shepherd leads and a shepherd cares for. That's not what I'm going to talk about. A shepherd does that. He leads and he cares for his sheep. But a couple of different things came to my mind. A shepherd takes the weight. A shepherd takes the weight. I want you to picture right now the, the statue, the photograph, whatever that you have seen throughout your life of that shepherd with the sheep over his shoulders, holding the front two legs here, the back two legs here. Is he going... No, he's just very casually holding that sheep around his shoulders. Now, when the shepherd goes out, when we're lost, when we're away from him, and he goes out seeking us, when the shepherd does that with a regular sheep, you think he finds the sheep and he goes, you are the dumbest sheep, and gives the sheep a kick. I says, what were you thinking? It's a thorn bush. No. He says, okay, guy, hold on, pulls the thorns out, takes him in his to say, okay, if you want to ride, hop on. No, he says, here, let me put you up here. Restore your strength. Come on, let's just keep on going here. Paul Oswald, I need you to come up and help me a second, Okay. Oh, yeah, when I get up here, you all are just going to sit on pins and needles. You're going to call my name. <laughs> just hang tight for a second right there, Paul. <laughs> Paul's a teacher. That's what. <laughs> there are times when you're tired. I've been there. And when you're tired, it's going, I just don't know. I've wandered off into this thicket. I've got myself caught up in something that I didn't intentionally mean to get there, and now I don't know how to get out. And you're tired, and you're worn out. And God says, I want to be your shepherd. Let me take you. Let me restore your strength. Let me carry you. And there's all different kinds of things that that happens with. And, oh, look what I've got, Paul. Yeah, let's just start off with this. Now, if you'll just put that on, you know, hang it across you or over your shoulder. Yeah, there's more coming, bud. I'd use the strap. Yeah, over the head. Okay, all right. May 
maybe you're tired from putting on a front and saying, oh yeah, I'm just going to act like everything is good. I'm going to be the person everybody thinks I should be. That weight that comes from just trying to meet all the expectations of family and friends and coworkers and neighbors and everybody. And it's that weight that God says, here, let me just pick you up and carry you through this. Restore your strength. Maybe... There you go. Yeah. Maybe you're carrying a weight of loneliness. Maybe the person that meant the most to your life is now just not there for whatever reason it is. And you've got a lot of weight. And God says, hey, let me just pick you up. I'm going to put you on my shoulders. I'm going to carry you while you get your strength restored. But God just takes that weight. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with a bully. Kids, school, school bus, neighborhood, but adults, you deal with bullies too at work, in your neighborhood. And God says, I got this. Let me put that weight of being bullied. Let me put you on my shoulders, that pressure, that stress, and let me just help you Restore your strength. I'll take the weight. (laughs) Here's more. (laughs) Maybe you're in an unhealthy friendship that the caller ID comes up and you go, oh. I know this conversation is going to leave me feeling bad. It's going to take me to a negative place. And God says, let me take that friendship. Let me take you in that. Let me put you on my shoulders and let me help you rest. We've got all kinds of things here. There's one more stress that I know. (laughs) You thought that was it, didn't you? One more. Parents, some of you are feeling the weight of being that perfect parent. The world tells you you've got to provide this and this, and that your kids need to get this kind of education, and they need this socially, and they need to be eating this way, and have this kind of a house, all of these pressures that are coming that says, you need to treat them this way. You need to not say that and do say this and discipline this way. And you're feeling the pressure of being a perfect parent because you love these kids so much. But it's like, (gasps) am I messing up? And I don't even know it. God says, hey, hey, sheep, let me put you on my shoulders. Take a deep breath and let me carry you through this. Paul's done a wonderful job, hasn't he? Set it down, Paul. Yeah, that's fine. God has big shoulders. God can carry a whole lot of weight. This is my nifty little Bible. I want you to know, let me just tell you right here. Part of my job the last couple of years has um, actually been to review children's Bibles. And so... I have a bunch of them at home. So if you ever have a child that you know that needs a Bible, give me a call. 
I've got one. I've got plenty. This is an interesting little Bible because they get to create their own cover out of little rubber things. But Isaiah 46, 4 says, I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you. I will care for you. I will carry you along. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. I will carry you along. It's a promise. It's a promise in his word. And I want to serve a God that can lift the weight, that can carry my weight. Um, It's a promise that he makes until your hair gets gray, until it gets white. This isn't a promise that parents are going, oh, that's a promise for my kids. This faith thing is for children. This scripture thing is for children. It's not kids that, oh, this faith thing is for my mom and my dad or for my grandma or for my neighbor. No, this is a personal thing throughout your life. Now, I've got one other characteristic of God that I want to talk about. And I've got two teams. I've got Team Kindle and I've got Team Bowen. Will you guys come on up real fast here? Team Kindle, you're on this side. Go. Where's your mate? Uh, Adam and Sophia? Bowen. There's your boxes. Go, hurry, fast as you can. They know what they're supposed to do. Grab, go. Yep, right here's where we're lining up. Right there, go. Let's get it on the rug. There, perfect. Now, if you notice, one of the things that I used in the last thing was just a bunch of bags and boxes that I got, had around home. This, just, this is just a bunch of boxes. Good. Go ahead. The way. There we go. And one more. Wow. Thanks, Team Kindle. Woo! You smoked it. They had fewer boxes, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the guys say they had fewer boxes. They built us a wall. They built us a pen. Um, let's who do I need? Paul, come on up. Paul's always Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> okay, Paul, you're going to be our shepherd. Okay, this elastic goes across the back of your head with all of this hanging down. Go ahead, put it on. No, just yeah, just like that. Yeah, go and put it across your forehead. Then flip all of this back, and you are now a shepherd. <laughs> camera. Okay. Yeah, will you hold on just a second? Okay. We got our shepherd already. Team Kendall and Team Bowen built us a wall. We say that God is our shepherd. And when the shepherd brought the sheep in at night, he brought them into a pen that he had, probably a stone pen. We've built that out of these boxes. And as they came in, if you'll just stand right up here for us, Paul, right Right there. Yep. The sheep would come in one at a time and he would go, hey, Matilda, pat Matilda's sheep on the head. Look, okay, you got any cut places? Do I need to pour oil on you? Are you okay? Okay, get in the pen. Next sheep. Okay, Henry, how you doing? Uh, Checks him over, loves on him a little bit, sends him in. Now, we've got this pen full of sheep, but we have an opening. And when all the sheep got in the pen, 
The shepherd's job was to lay down in front of the opening. Thank you, shepherd. He's so good. <laughs> I didn't ask for that. Yeah, sorry. Okay. It was a preview. I know. This is a brave thing to do. This is a sacrificial thing to do for the shepherd. Because what he is doing is this opening made the sheep very vulnerable to wolves, to lions, to bears, to robbers. They would come and just steal the sheep. And so the shepherd laid down there across. So the first thing a wolf would get to would be the shepherd. The first thing a robber would encounter would be the shepherd. And so whose life was on the line? The shepherds. And so he, he laid there across that opening, just as Jesus laid down his life. Jesus separated us. When we come into this fold, we are coming into the presence of God. We are coming into a community of faith. We are coming into the hope of heaven. And Jesus said, I'm here and going to fight the enemy. I'm the one that's going to take on. And, and Jesus says, listen, don't mess with my sheep. Don't mess with them. And so he is willing to make the sacrifice that only the shepherd can make. That's the kind of God that I want to serve. A God who is a warrior, a shepherd who isn't going to take his sheep. And, and although he does this, love on them like this. Oh, yeah, you cute little sheep. I just love you so much. But the other part of him being the shepherd is he says, I'm laying across the opening here. I am your protector. I am the one that knows what the enemy looks like, and I can fight the enemy. I want you in my fold. That's the kind of shepherd I want to follow. One who can carry the weight and one who will be my warrior shepherd. Thanks, Paul. I didn't have that much self-control. Um, <laughs> awesome. So uh, we are, we're continuing this series, This I Believe, where we're really diving into um, things we, we believe about our faith. We believe about God. We believe about Jesus. What does it actually mean for us? And so that's what the adults are talking about in here for the next long period of time. And today we're talking about God. And so my mom, Miss Tina, did a great job talking about God as the shepherd. What I'm going to do is I want to flip that for us parents and grandparents, why it's so important that we talk about God. We're talking about this big, weird word called theology. And you have to say theology. Um, But it's it's this big, intimidating word, except what it really means is to talk about God. And the reality of theology is that it's talked about all the time that I got so many extra things up here. Uh, I got, oh, it's, we talk about theology all the time, whether we know it or not. Our kids are inundated with theology all the time. Theology is in our comic books. It's in our movies. It's in our books. It's in our TV shows. It is everywhere. It's in our schools. We talk about, we're not going to talk about God anymore, but Saying we're not going to talk about God anymore in our schools is a theological statement that we're taking God out of them, right? That everything that we talk about, everything we do is really boiling it down to a theological conversation about belief. 
And so as us, as parents, as grandparents, as, as people who are trying to love these children as best as we can, we come up with this decision. We, we think about it, oh, I take my kid to church, and that's where they, we talk about God. And we, we do that. And we have a fantastic children's ministry here at the church. But, you know, that's only, if you come every single Sunday, that is only 52 hours of the year that you get your kids in a theological uh, place. They get that much at school in two weeks. They get that much of TV in about two weeks, if we're honest with ourselves. So all of these voices, all of these inputs are coming in at a much greater rate in which our kids are at church. And so we have to do something to make up the difference. We have to do something to leverage our time. And so today I just want to encourage parents to be the primary force of God talk in our kids' life. How do we interpret the different things that our kids are being exposed to? Because your kids are being exposed to things about God, whether they're watching X-Men or they're watching Wally Kazam. Wally, 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 all right? If you don't know Wally Kazam, you need to. Uh, it's a good, good t- it's, a, it's a perk of having a, a preschooler, okay? Um, there's not too many, but Wally Kazam, that's one of them. But it's a theological show. Why? Because there's magic involved in it. He might be just teaching your ABCs or your uh, one, two, threes, but there's magic. So now I have to make a choice. How am I going to react to the idea of magic being in the world? The supernatural is being put in there. There's dragons and princesses and fairies and all these fun little things going on in there. Well, you can say, Jared, you're making a mountain of a molehill. I'm not telling you not to let your kids watch Wally Kazam because there's magic in there. I'm saying it's an opportunity to leverage that moment to talk about God. And so we have to start seeing the opportunities in our world because they are everywhere this week. We were watching Jungle Book, the live action one. Also, a little bit scary. Just let you know, all right? Shere Khan, he's not the cartoon anymore, okay? So, um, but we're watching Jungle Book, and there's this 15 second part of Hindu theology in a Jungle Book. And it's talking about how the elephants created everything and all, all this stuff. And Bowen looks at me, he goes, That's not true. <laughs> Which I said, All right. So what's he going to say is true? So I said, so who did create? God looked at me like, I, aren't you a pastor? What's your problem? Because <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what he was going to say. Like, I honestly didn't know. Okay, what was they talking about in class? What's, what's going on here? I, I haven't had the opportunity to know how to, to steer those conversations, right? And so uh, I was wondering, what's he going to say? And he said, oh, God. I was like, all right, here, have another cookie. Uh, so <laughs> we're, uh, he's like, what? I didn't get a cookie. Um, but it's a theological, I'm getting fact checked by my child here. Um, but this happened because it's a, it's a conversation. It's easy as that. What do you think about that? Even if it's something wrong, right? We can turn an opportunity. Well, what do you think's wrong about that? Every conversation we can have has a theological meaning behind it. It does. What we believe dictates how we act, and how we act dictates how others see us. What we believe dictates how we act, and how we act dictates how others see us. This is the theme statement for the whole entire series. What we believe, it matters. Because it matters because it changes who we are and how we interact with the world, and that changes how the world sees Christianity, sees God. We are his 
representatives here on earth. So it matters whether we're four or whether we're 40 or whether we're 80. It matters. I uh, have been studying this for a while coming from a youth ministry background and seeing I used to do um, I used to have to teach Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and then do an activity every week as a youth pastor. As you'll notice, our schedule for our youth ministry is a little lighter. That's because of what I went through. Uh, Kevin Kevin can be thankful for that. But um, we did all these different things, and I was running out of things to talk about. But that just happened to be the time that Lord of the Rings came out, and and, uh, Chronicles of Narnia movies were coming out. Hoorah! So um, these are, I mean, Chronicles of Narnia written by a strong Christian man, C.S. Lewis. If you want to read awesome things, read anything by C.S. Lewis. If you want to read a little bit more uh, deeper theology and get a primer on that of what, what Jared's talking about and how do I think about these things, there's this little book called Mere Christianity. You can, it, you can only read like one page a day or your brain will actually explode. So, um, and it's just mm, good stuff right there. Pick it up, pick up Mere Christianity, read it. You'll, you'll thank me for that. But, and Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, was actually converted to Christianity by conversations at a pub at Oxford uh, with C.S. Lewis. So these guys were bros. And you can see the faith come through in the Tolkien writing, uh, and you can see the faith come through in C.S. Lewis's writing as well. Well, with those movies that came out, they also came out with, I just watched the movies and made my own devotionals, my own... um, So Kelly's like, why are you watching this movie for the 16th time? I'm working right now watching Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, And I've made my Sunday school curriculum from that because honestly, I had nothing else to talk about. And I was teaching 18 times a month, it felt like. So um, that's that's how it came from. But it leveraged in their culture, in the community, and the kids are already participating in. How do I take something that you are inundated in and show Christ to you? The same thing happens uh, on Sunday night. Kelly comes here and volunteers in our student ministry. Me and my kids, or the seven-year-olds, Lucy doesn't watch this because she's 12 weeks old. Um, or whatever. So uh, we, we watch Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, or Star Wars, don't we? Every week, every week we watch one of these three cartoons, which some of them have crazy, weird theological stuff coming into them. And we, we, we go, hey, what do you think about that? What do you think about that mean person? What do you think about the choices they made? They weren't good choices. Bringing theological issues into stuff they're going to be exposed to in anyway. Tell your seven-year-old boy, well, we're not going to watch superhero stuff. Okay, that's going to go great for you. But how do we leverage the superhero? Because if you look at the history of superheroes, there's even something on History Channel, I think coming out this week, about modern-day superheroes and how our culture res- responds to it. Well, who's the first superhero ever? Superman, who is exactly the Christ figure. Well, Superman has fallen out of favor. No one likes, it's cool not to like Superman anymore because he's too goody two-shoes. He's Jesus Christ played out in a comic book, people. You're supposed to like him. But anyway, sorry. Um, but everybody likes, you know, people that are, that are kind of dark and they've, they've got these bad pasts and everything because we relate to them more. We don't relate to super, Superman because he makes all the right choices. Well, we got to have to start. Uh, those are theological opportunities just in comic books and the movies that we watch, but also in the books that we, we see. We get to have theological conversations over if your kids read Harry Potter. If your kids read uh, anything, there are theological choices to be made. And you've got to be, as a parent, engaged enough to say, hey, what's that book about? Okay, well, what do you think about this? And just ask clarification questions. Don't let those moments pass. 
video games, I, I have this, if I was writing, doing a master's again, I would write a master's thesis on how video games are changing the theolo- theological makeup of our country. Because <clears throat> most video games are influenced by Japanese theology, Shintoism and Buddhism. And they're very dualistic. So very dark, very light. And there's, there's, they're, they're always in balance, equal, right? The yin-yang principle. This is not Christian. Satan does not have as much power as God. Newsflash, he wins. God, God wins. This is, this is a big deal, right? But in all of our video games, in all of our, in, in even any movie you watch, darkness is always so winning and there's this only, Star Wars, there's always this sliver of hope. Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. You've only got this little, little, little bit of hope. That light is going to win. Guess what, folks? Light is already won. God has already won. This is the, we've won the war. This is just a battle. Okay. I have hope in that. I have a reassurance in that. But we're taught over and over and over again. I don't know. But darkness is, it's all so bad. It's all so bad. And we barely might squeak out a victory every once in a while. That's not true. But everything our kids are inundated in over and over and over and over and over again is the same way. And so we have to reclaim that. It's okay if they're exposed to it, but we got to have conversations. Hey, you know that. That's dualism is very attractive as our country um, as a theological whole sees dualism as the way it goes. God and God's on one side, Satan's on one side, and they're kind of doing this equal fighting thing. Satan doesn't have the same powers as God. God wins. It's boiling down real, real, real family worship Sunday. God wins. Okay. We, we don't have to worry about this, but we have to start having the conversations with our kids about these things, asking questions. What do they believe? We can be the theological conversation steers in our uh, kids' relationships. And that might be incredibly intimidating to you because you say, Jared, I have no answers to the questions my kids are going to ask. And that is okay. That is okay. And so I want to give you freedom this morning to say, mm-hmm. right? that is a perfectly deep theological uh, answer. Mm. Um, I've asked some of the smartest men I know in my life, doctorates, PhDs, and out the wazoo, and their theological deep answer to me was like, mm. it's okay, it's acceptable. So here I want to, and this comes, all the idea that I'm, I'm bringing today is from our child dedication. It's from the Shema. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Proverbs 22, 6, start, a chil- child, ugh, start children off the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not depart from it. So my action step for you this morning is teach your children about God. And teach your children about your spiritual story. Your kids, like if you're a grandparent or if you're a parent, if you're an aunt or your uncle, any child that you come in contact with and have a deep relationship with, they should know your spiritual story. It gives them a sense of belonging. It gives them a sense of legacy. 
So I know that when my, child, when my dad was 12 years old, he got invited by Donnie and Ronnie Smith, some two-haired, freckle-faced, redhead boys, like I'm saying it just like my dad would tell the story, invited him to play church softball. And my dad loved softball. He didn't so much love church, but he wanted to go play softball. The requirement for playing on the softball team is you had to attend church two times a month. So my dad started going there and got radically saved and changed his life and changed his eternal destiny. That's my dad's spiritual legacy. I can say that to you in 45 seconds. Why? Because I've heard it almost every day of my life, every Sunday of my life, since I was four years old. Am I bored with that story? Absolutely not. That's my spiritual heritage. Of a young man who who came from an interesting home life to say, you know what? God's found around a softball diamond. It's my spiritual legacy. Your kids, your, your, your grandkids should be able to know your spiritual legacy. How did you find out about God? When did that happen? How did that change? Teach your kids about God. You might not know the Bible front and back. You might not be able to quote it, but you can tell them your spiritual legacy. Second thing I want you to do is teach about faith questions. Your kids, when they encounter God, when they encounter God in video games, when they encounter God in books, when they encounter uh, God in, in, in movies, there will be faith questions in that. And you've got to be honest enough with them, engaged enough with them to answer the questions. One of the big things is I just talked about Wally Kazam. I talked about all these other things. You've got to watch and play these things with your children. If you can't stand watching and playing that thing with your children, don't let them play it. Don't let them watch it. There you go. You win. You're the parent. You got the remote. Um, find stuff that you, you can actually tolerate, enjoy watching and, and playing with. Because then, if you've seen it, you can respond to it. If you have no frame of reference of what they're talking about, then guess what? You can't speak life into it. I can turn all these different things into object lessons to teach my kids about God. Not because I am wired weird. I understand that. But also, I've, I've seen them. I know how to say, you know what? We're not going to watch that anymore. We're not going to do this. Anytime we watch, we do a, a, a superhero movie, I always pre-screen it. Does that mean that I get to watch it twice? Yes, it does. <laughs> but, but I pre-screen it because I'm like, mm, that one's like, I'm not going to take my kid to Logan. If you've watched Logan, you're not watching Logan. All right. There's a, it's, it's, it's way out there. It's rated R for a reason, right? But I wouldn't take my seven-year-olds to see an R movie anyway, but that's either near to there, but they're not going to watch that. So I pre-screened that. We're, we're going to see that. We're going to answer those questions later. But teach your kid about faith questions. Be engaged in that. And feel totally free to say these words. I don't know. But you can answer those questions. When faith questions happen, why did this happen? Why did so-and-so do this? What did these things do? Answer these faith questions with, I can trust God. Two, I can find out. Let's find out together. You know what? Let's call Jared. And I might answer the phone. And you say, Jerry, what do you think about this? Hunter had this fantastic question about God. And my answer might be like, hmm. <laughs> but it also might be, you know what? I got an answer for you. Or why don't you read this verse here? And then you tell me what you think about it. Because that's totally fine. And then when it's a heartbreak faith question, you can answer with these comforting words. I don't know the answer, but I can be there with you through this. Teach about faith questions. 
And finally, set the example. Read the Bible in front of your kids. Read the Bible. Just have it open. Don't let it get collect dust on it. Read the Bible in front of your kids. Number two, read the Bible to your kids. That we have so many, so much access to Scripture in our lives, there's no reason that we, we do not impart that into our kids. So read the Bible in front of our kids. Read the Bible to our kids. And number three, set the standard that church is where we're going to be. The church is going to be, like I said at the very beginning of this little talk, if you come every single Sunday, which I know everyone in here does, that you get 52 hours a week in church, in, in, in a, a, a year, thank you, uh, of church for a year. That is ridiculous when we think about it in context of everything else. Set the example. Read the Bible in front of your kids. Read the Bible to your kids and set the example that church is going to be a place in which we are. Because when you bring your kid to church, you're not just participating in the back. You're letting other adults and other people pour faith into your child. And it's not just mom's relationship. It's not just grandma's relationship. It's not just dad's relationship. It's, wow, look at Miss Tina's faith. Look at Miss Kelly's faith. Miss Tammy's faith. Mr. Paul's faith. And that's what, why we do child dedication. Because when we do this, and we stand up and we reach out our hands, we're not just saying, oh, well, that's great that Elliot got dedicated today. Good luck, Clarks. Woo. We're saying, no, we're here with you because we want our faith to rub off on him as we train and raise up a child to be an amazing man of God. And that's what we get to do with all these kids in here. Set the example. This is going to be a fantastic series. These two weeks have been so much fun already. I can't wait for the rest of the messages. Uh, Thank you for being here this morning. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for being a God who will stand at the gateway and protect us for us. Thank you for being a God who will hoist us on our shoulders. Thank you for being a God who will walk through us, through with us, through anything. And God, we ask you to be with us and guide us this morning as we try to be the, the kids that we, po- the best kids we possibly can be and the best parents we possibly can be. The best grandparents, the best aunts, the best uncles, the best follower of you that we possibly can be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.